0: Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This week, we're covering the iMac Pro that might be delayed. We go hands-on with Universal Control, and we're going to get into the whole Spotify and podcasting stuff. This episode is brought to you by Trade Coffee. You'll hear about them soon. And joining me this week to talk all about it is my Universal Control friend, Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes?
1: Pretty good, Steven. I'm guessing you've come to the dark side and downloaded all the betas.
0: I tweeted, should I do this thing? And it was, it seemed unanimous. There was (laughs) was one guy that was like, don't do it. There's going to be bugs. But I did it anyway. I am running the beta on my Mac right now, which is a little troubling. I'll be honest. I did have to restart it before (laughs) this this recording because it was acting funny. And I was like, maybe this was a terrible idea, but it's too late. It's already on the public beta. And so you're running beta everywhere as well, I imagine.
1: Yes, uh, I'm running it on everything, including the Apple TV, of course. Uh, so if, oh, wow. if I say anything weird, blame it on the betas.
0: <laughs> OK, well, we're going to talk about universal control in a little bit, because obviously we've both been running it for a while now. Want to give a shout out, as we've been doing, to those who give us a five star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This week, in 987 Larry via Apple Podcasts in Ireland. Listeners all across the pond, this one in Ireland Thank you, Larry, for giving us a five star rating. We appreciate it. And we'll give shout outs to uh, anyone else who does the five star rating and review. All right. Well, we need to talk about the iMac because there's been several sources that are claiming the iMac, the larger iMac that's running Apple Silicon is going to be delayed. Ross Young, who is in on the supply chain of Apple devices, he tweeted out saying it looks like it's going to be a summer release instead of spring, but that it would still have the mini led display german in his newsletter also claimed it would be called imac pro and wes i don't know about you but i am heartbroken that we're gonna have to wait even longer for this imac i guess i could see it being like a wwdc announcement and then you know you could buy it a few weeks later but i was really hoping for a spring event with the imac pro i don't know do you think it's still gonna come out in the spring or or you feel summer is more like it
1: my guess is is just like everything else we're just looking at constrained parts and such uh ross young's fairly accurate um he he gets the big hits right anyway so when it comes to release cycles because he's seeing i guess coming through the supply chain these displays and stuff so yeah it makes sense probably a summer release i i expect because this is going to be a developer product that apple will discuss this at wwdc it's not unheard of to to have hardware there i think we had an ipad pro there once that released in july so the same thing could happen here with the ipad Mac. Yeah. People still speculating crazy stuff for it, of course. I mean, I don't know if I agree with his mini LED statement. Did you see what he said about what they're doing to the mini LEDs in it?
0: What exactly? Apparently
1: it's going to be mini LED backlit, but it will have less zones for dimming uh, compared to the MacBook and the iPad, which... I guess. I'm not sure if that makes sense. It's a larger display. So if it has the same number of zones, it would be worse contrast ratio, right? Mm. Right. Cause we're getting like a, a close to a million to one, which is basically OLED, right? For mini LED. But if you're on a bigger display with the same number of zones, I'm, I'm assuming that would be technically a worse contrast uh, because you're going to have larger haloing effects and such. But according to Ross Young, it's going to have even less dimming zones than the MacBook. So
0: it might, it's probably because of the display size. Again, we're assuming it's going to be 27 inches. It could be up to 30 inches. Who knows? With the smaller iMac being 24. But if you look at the 12.9 inch iPad Pro with mini LED against the Pro Display XDR, the iPad actually has more dimming zones. I think it's like four times more dimming zones than the Pro Display XDR. So yeah, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, because the Pro Display XDR, that that thing's just led but it's just got fancy reference display technology in it you know right that's what makes it so expensive because it's basically capable of being a reference display uh which was is what you'd use to make a movie and see exactly what color captain america's armor is uh, in that scene no like (laughs) average or even prosumer user needs that level of accuracy anyway uh even when you're editing photos and stuff dimming zones are less important than color accuracy so Mm, eh, i could see this apple cutting. Corners on this one, or or it just being an issue overall with the technology. Not a big deal, right? Do you think a twenty-seven inch display is that what you're aiming for? You're going to buy one of these, aren't you?
0: I mean, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, I wanted this. I would prefer this over a Mac Mini Pro and sticking with my LG UltraFine display. You know, I want Apple's display that comes in an iMac at least. So I'm hoping for it. Thirty inches would be. Great. I mean, that's a big screen because I've I use several 27-inch iMacs in work and stuff, and it's a it's a good size. But if they decrease the bezels like they did on the 24-inch iMac, I could see them adding a couple more inches to kind of make up the difference, and you get a larger display, make it even more pro. So. I don't know, but it looks like everything we're hearing from supply chain and everything is 27 inches.
1: What about a 49 inch ultra wide display?
0: (laughs) Listen, we had that article of everybody showing their at home work thing, and I saw Williams' display again. I'll put the link to this article in show notes. You could see Williams' ultra wide display. It is insane to me how wide that thing is. It's the width of a desk. (laughs) It's literally the width of a desk. But I do see him like have multiple, multiple windows open. And you could have like four Safari windows plus something you're writing on plus notes and it just kind of span the entire width and nothing is overlapping. You could see it all. You don't have to switch desktops, you know, in mission control or anything. So, I mean, it just seems so wide, but I get, I mean, maybe you could just be, maybe this is why William is just ultra productive. I mean, he is just, He's writing all the things.
1: I've seen people complain that 27 inches isn't big enough. And I've had a 27-inch iMac before. Those things are gargantuan. They are very big. And I I mean, anything bigger than that, we're basically in television territory. And I don't think I want to sit, you know, 12 inches from a TV screen and have to turn my head to see the rest of the display. I mean, even now at my desk with, you know, multiple I have the iPads and stuff around me and whatnot. Uh, turning to do anything is just exhausting. <laughs> it, I, I I really want to figure out a way to get more of these in front of me. So I'm, I'm kind of poking around at redesigning my desk a little bit more. Or I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm on an L-shaped desk, so I guess it, it's meant for me to turn in it. I don't know. Right. The whole idea of oh no twenty seven inches isn't big enough is just odd to me. It's like it's a single display. If you need more display, get another display. But of course that leads to (laughs) the problem of Apple not making one. So yeah. Eventually maybe we'll we'll get one.
0: And I'll just for me personally, I don't like multiple physical displays. I actually enjoy doing multiple desktops. You know, I use a magic mouse and I'll swipe with two fingers back and forth between my virtual desktops. And I actually prefer that because I feel like multiple screens you got to have your mouse, I don't know, travel across both screens. And I don't know, I, I like the, I could just swipe and I have a whole other desktop right there. So because I'm a one display kind of guy, I think that's why the iMac is the most tempting for me is what I want to upgrade to.
1: I'm the same way to uh, coming from an iPad. I use Mac OS similarly. I, I generally have multiple desktops or just full screen apps in use. Now imagine William swiping between full screen apps (laughs) on that monitor. It's anyway,
0: I mean, you'd you'd get motion sickness. Listen, the chapter art for this chapter in the podcast will be William's display and you can all enjoy it. I know that the chapter is about the iMac, but I'm going to put William's monitor in there just because it's, it's too good to not see. So look at your podcast player and you'll see it.
1: I just feel like swiping between home screens on that would be like, being in a tilt-a-whirl and looking out the window. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. just
0: You get nauseous just trying to go all the way across, I think. But anyway, also coming later this year, I mentioned it actually in a bonus episode that was to supporters only for the Apple Insider podcast, but AirPods Pro, still looking like it'll be coming later this year, 2022, with a possible redesign, removing the stems, and some of the features that will be coming to this new version of AirPods. This will be AirPods Pro 2, would be that lossless playback, which me and you have talked about with maybe it'll be AirPlay 3 over some kind of ultra wideband technology and might also have some new health sensors, which would be wild to have health sensors in AirPods Pro, maybe it's temperature sensor, other things. You could even do things like fall detection, probably an even better than with an Apple Watch or maybe about the same, but I'm very excited for these. I definitely want to upgrade to it, but I don't know. How do you feel about the no stem design? I'm, I'm curious how Apple is going to make the physical controls on the AirPods Pro without any stems. I guess maybe squeeze the whole AirPod Pro itself or go back to the tapping method. What do you think they're going to do there?
1: Well, you definitely won't be squeezing these. I, w- I would say tapping is going to be what's going to happen, but these renders, I've been working with Apple Tomorrow, and uh, we basically go back and forth because I keep track of all of the rumors, and I'm, I am I write a lot of these uh, stories about the rumor stuff if you keep track of that. and So I'm pretty on top of it. So I'm helping him try and figure out like what makes sense, what's realistic, and yeah. the AirPods Pro 2 design is still a little unrealistic but we we did our best with what we had because we don't want to go fanciful we're not trying to make up our own rumors we want to yeah. base um all the renders that we're making on things people have actually said and ming chu quo has previously said either small stem or no stem. so and that's i mean sadly some of these rumors that's all we got is maybe a sentence describing design on some of these things right we we've seen um part leaks showing smaller internals uh, that would allow for the stem to be gone or whatever. And of course, the stem serves a purpose. It's basically a hallway between the earpiece itself and the microphone, right. and then they can shove a whole battery in there. And that's why there's battery life. So it's there's a lot of physics issues going on with the design that we've built, but this is the best we could come up with comparing it to something the same size as, say, Samsung's bean-shaped earpo- uh, earpod- ear earpods. I'm not 100% on these. I like how our design turned out, but uh, I'm sure Apple's might even have a little bit more of a concave shape to it. Mm. Again, we just didn't want to get into making up our own, like, you know that's not going to work let's add this uh, you know yeah ming chi quo says airpods pro but no stem this is basically what you end up with right is these pod shaped things and um people are asking how how do you put these in and out of your ear uh i would say you put them in your ear and then when you pull want to pull them out it's kind of like either a think of a opening a Coke can you know you, you pull tab right so you just <laughs> flick it out of your ear kind of thing I don't right. think there's gonna be a lot of grappable surface area and of course that would you know lead to dropping I'm sure Apple is gonna have some clever way uh of designing these to make them very easy to put in and out again th- these renders we didn't go to John Prosser and look at a picture that he already made and, and then make our own renders the like I don't think anyone else has uh, made these so these are a little bit more out there than other renders that we've made so far so i want to know what people thought of those renders i i I like them but uh, i i do think we're going to see the design morph a little bit as we get closer to the inevitable announcement
0: yeah and so again i'll put the renders as the chapter art and link in the show notes of course you could see all of it apple tomorrow they look i mean as renders go i love they look great you know i think the render looks is a high quality render this kind of design like you were saying the galaxy buds have a similar design where there's no stem it's just the part that goes in your ear and like a bulbous earbud on the other side of it and the pixel buds are similar although they have kind of a smallish stem or whatever but i'm obviously because some of these are out there already it's possible for apple to do a stemless design I'm curious. Do you know for the Galaxy Buds how to like do physical controls? Because I imagine they have some kind of control. Is there a button, or is it touch related?
1: None of these have buttons, as far as I'm aware. Some of them have those touch-sensitive surfaces where you can literally swipe vertically, and it senses like an accelerometer feels that you're you're moving up the device, so it turns the volume uh. up. And you know, there's some of these go like so far as like you know Samsung level of double taps and uh, swipes, gestures, crazy stuff. Stuff. Again, I don't think Apple's going to do anything crazy here. We've already seen it do tap controls in the past. I don't think it's going to do a touch-sensitive surface or anything like that. Right.
0: Yeah, now the original tap controls, like for the first AirPods, it used the accelerometer to actually feel the AirPod physically move when you tapped it. You know, there wasn't any kind of tap-sensitive surface like you were saying. But I feel like maybe a capacitive surface on the new ones would be The best? I mean, because I feel like if they go back to an accelerometer-based thing, you're going to have to tap those things so they move enough. And I I don't know. That was never a great experience, although it it worked consistently from... When I did the tapping.
1: Well, uh, people complained because it felt like you were shoving the AirPods deeper in your ears. Apple could also get really tricky and make them a little bit more sensitive so that it's looking for Mm. a specific gesture on the side of your head. So you could literally tap like your cheekbone rather than your ear and get the uh, action to take place. Like there's ways to do this without being too crazy but uh it, i guess it really just depends on what the product team comes up with i don't think us sitting here in a chair can can figure out what apple's planning i think i think whatever it is is on, is it's just going to be very clever um i don't i'm i'm not entirely sure it's going to be based on what we've seen in airpods before it might be something completely different the health sensor stuff that you mentioned uh yeah it's very hit and miss i think heart rate uh makes sense because it does have skin contact and um like the ears uh it's a good place to measure you just blood very close to the surface of your skin kind of thing so they could probably right. do some kind of little infrared light again how much are you going to fit in these little bitty airpods especially when every inch of space that isn't speaker needs to be battery these rumors about health stuff have been around for a very long time i remember when airpods 2 like the second generation with the wireless charging case uh, were being rumored ming chi had a uh, heart rate sensor and temperature sensor um, rumor going around so that has been floating around for a long time so i i I don't know if we can really expect that or if that's just something Apple's been experimenting with internally for a long time.
0: Well, we'll see. Hopefully we'll see these by WWDC. Maybe it'll be later, but I'm excited for them. I'll be jumping on these. I've been liking my AirPods 3. I mean, I feel like the sound quality is really good, but it is nice to have that noise canceling in an earbud style thing rather than just the airpods max i've actually <laughs> let my oldest son try out the airpods pro because you know if he's trying to do schoolwork and my other two younger children are around like it's very noisy he's actually been using my airpods pro with the noise canceling and he says it's amazing so my airpods Environment is now either the AirPods 3 or the AirPods Max, which obviously I still love my AirPods Max. You know, the noise canceling is great, they sound great, but I do like the AirPods 3 also. I feel like that is good. In the grocery store, I will say that's the one case where I like the noise canceling in the earbud style. And using AirPods 3 in a grocery store, you really do hear all the noises and you really have to crank the volume.
1: You're not going to wear your AirPods Max to the grocery store, Steven?
0: I can't bring myself to do that, Wes. I just can't. I can't. I can't do that.
1: <laughs> Little over the top. I feel like I would get mugged. I mean, I'm, I don't even live in a bad area. I just feel like someone's going to tackle me when I wear these things out in public.
0: I I don't think I've ever. I've only worn AirPods Max in public, like at a coffee shop, like if I was really working. Yeah, but I, but I feel like in a normal, if I were to go to a grocery store or like a Target, it just feels like too extra i don't know a better word for it It just feels like too much i don't want airpods max there
1: i've had friends who walked around like the mall and i'm talking about you know five six years ago so mid-20s i've had friends walk around like the mall with beats headphones around their neck and stuff i'm just like what are you doing you know (laughs) but um no the uh airpods uh sorry the timeline of the release for airpods is just insane to me because i remember when uh, you know i i'm always fr- first adopter for the best one so i had the airpods then the airpods 2 then the airpods pro but the time do you remember how much time was between the airpods and airpods 2 that was you know pushing two years yeah and the batteries in the originals if you had day one airpods were just gone you could barely turn them on at that two year point right and now with airpods pro we're looking at getting really close to three years yeah. before a second generation product comes out and my airpods pro they're they work but i'm looking at two two and a half hours before i start getting those battery warnings now and uh it's yeah. frustrating for sure so i don't want to go spend the 160 dollars or whatever on um airpods three and i've yes they've been on sale i just i i Apple has to give us something new soon. And I'm I'm hoping for the spring. Like these feel like good spring products. So bring it on.
0: They feel like good spring products. It, the original AirPods Pro released October 30th, 2019. So yes, like you said, we are nearing three years after the first generation AirPods Pro. So, I mean, it does feel like it's gotta be soon, right? But these also, they weren't even released at an event. I think the AirPods Pro were just a press release. Actually, see, it was Apple Newsroom that Apple announced them in a press release, and then they were available for sale two days later. Yep. So, I mean, it could could be another press release for the AirPods Pro 2.
1: Apple's repositioned AirPods as a much more important product since then. I mean, AirPods have always been true. very important because they kind of just took over the wireless headphone space. Yeah, AirPods true. Pro, Apple, I think, was because this is this is the first model they didn't know what a more premium airpods was going to do but now i mean we don't have the numbers but i'm assuming that if you look at a chart somewhere that airpods and airpods pro are both you know airpods being number one airpods pro maybe being two to five it's it's up there i mean a lot of people buy these things yeah and they are on sale very frequently so they're very popular products and i, I have a feeling apple's going to want to maybe go out on stage this time and show off some of the new features especially if they're getting a new redesign
0: that's true, that is true. Well, another product that we're expecting soon is the iPhone SE 3 and updated iPad Air. Industry source 91Mobiles has said that Apple actually imported a trio of iPhone SE models and iPads into the country to actually do some testing. Now, it really looks like the next iPhone SE is going to be basically the last model with new chip, maybe updated camera, and 5G being the biggest change. I actually thought it was interesting, John Prosser on the Genius Bar podcast, he claims to literally have photos of the new SE, and he actually shows them on the Genius Bar show, at least like he holds his iPhone up to the camera to show these pictures of the iPhone SE 3. So I thought that was interesting, you know, this is very much geared for that the budget-minded audience. The current SE two is like three ninety nine, you know, four hundred bucks brand
1: he new. Showing photos of the iPhone eight. Was...
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like looking at the photo when he shows it to the camera, it's like this could easily be the iPhone eight or the current SE, and you really have no idea. Supposedly, in the settings screen that he showed in the picture, it said iPhone SE the third generation or something like that. So. Supposedly it was it, but if there's really no changes, it's hard to Grok, whether it's the 2, whether it's the 8 or the new SE.
1: This is a leaker's dream. All they have to do is just, you know, go on YouTube with an iPhone 8 or iPhone SE and just be like, look, I have the iPhone SE 3 and, you know, just flash it around a little bit. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it looks like this is going to be coming soon. Yeah, nothing's really changing. It, again, adds the 5G, probably updated processor, but it'll probably coming soon. I would think before WWDC, because this could, especially if there's no changes, easily be a press release product. Everyone's saying there's going to be some event in March or April, and that the SE3 is going to be one of the headline products. But if there's barely any changes, I don't know. I feel like it could also be a press release.
1: Well, it's one of those events where 2 months ago it was every product Apple ever, you know, was going to release is going to release and now we're sure. getting closer so now it's a little bit more reasonable. I could see it just being a passing product. Apple has done the thing in the past where before a March event, the week before they just do like uh throw out a thing every day and then the actual <laughs> yes. event is like 2 Max and a HomePod, you know. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll see.
0: And also, I thought this was interesting. So in iOS 15.4, the newest beta, so a developer named Maximiliano Fertman, he actually uncovered some things in the latest iOS beta 15.4, claiming that there's some developer APIs for Apple AR and VR products. And so this looks like it might be pointing to that mixed reality or VR headset that Apple could launch this year. I'll go, Although we have also heard reports that it's not going to be until early 2023 until we see this VR headset. So I'm not sure about that, but he also uncovered. Safari notifications in iOS and iPad OS. I thought this was interesting. If you have a Mac, you can actually already get notifications through Safari, whether it's a thing like you're using Slack in the web browser or other web services, other websites that want to send you push notifications. You can get those directly in Safari. I don't know about US, but I try to turn off as many Safari. I don't think I even allow Safari to send me notifications because it's typically websites that I don't want to get them from. I feel like any news website you go to is like, hey allow us to send you notifications through Safari. And I'm like, no, let's not do that.
1: I'm not sure if Apple Insider does that. I haven't checked myself, but uh, I know Apple Newsroom does. You can get Apple Newsroom notifications. Like there's, yeah, there's random websites that do this. And this is one of the 15 pop-ups you get on every website you visit now of, would you like notifications? Would you like our newsletter? <laughs> you know, would you <laughs> right, like exactly. McAfee Plus Spam Blocker? Yeah, it's just one of those things. I, I'm not sure that I would want this. Um, again, I, I this is going into the w- w- right. web- websites as apps territory uh, that the, like, The last, what, five, six years has been really pushing hard, and I I just want to avoid it at all costs. Please, native apps, stop it.
0: We do. Yeah, I agree. Although, if uh, if Wordle, which we're going to talk about in a minute, if they had sent notifications for the new Wordle word being available, I would have done that. But we're going to talk about Wordle in a second. No, that's fine. So, also, WatchOS had an update right after the big updates that came out last week. There's a bug fix 8.4.1 in WatchOS. And the only reason why I wanted to mention it was after Apple announced the Unity watch face that came out, it was that new watch face celebrating. Black History Month, I actually tried automating that watch face to appear using Siri shortcuts, which if you don't know, you can actually go into the personal automations and shortcuts and schedule watch faces to appear at certain times of day. I actually do that. So I have like work faces appear during the day and then more casual, I have a contour face programmed to show up later. But you actually can't select the Unity watch face for those automations. I thought it was very strange in that I tried deleting it, creating new automations I have the Unity watch face in the Apple Watch app as like the first watch face, but it wouldn't let me schedule those in automations. I thought maybe this bug fix would uh, take care of that, but it did not.
1: I wouldn't even call this a bug; it's an omission. Uh, it's the watch team uh, not talking true. to the shortcuts team. You know, it they it the the watch face just doesn't exist in the in their uh, catalog of things you can you can. Search for, I guess, That's and they true. just haven't added it yet, so it can yeah. pop in at any point. Do you use the Unity face? I think it's pretty neat.
0: Oh, I do, and I wanted to have it automatically come up every evening because I do really like it. it looks like a couple lightsabers, but I like the colors. I like the the notches that actually mark the hours. I think the shadows that it casts from the hand lights. Really cool.
1: Yeah, the color is cool. I actually really like the black and white one. I don't know. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's I watched tragedy at Macbeth and uh, just really got into it. But did you did you hear about the technology behind this? I don't know if we discussed this before. I don't or think if so. I've been on since. <laughs> what, I, what is the date? I don't know what time is. What is time? Right. I have a watch. It tells me. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, the Unity Face actually uses 2D ray tracing, and people are like, "What? Uh, ray tracing has been a thing since before computers. It has to do with light bouncing off of surfaces. Don't get you know too excited, but um, you know, modern computing uh has gotten good enough where." in video games like on a playstation 5 you can have a sun cast actual shadows based on where the characters are standing because the game knows like the photons basically how they are flowing kind of thing it's like really intensive computing well now your apple watch does this with a watch face so the light emitting from the hands is actually casting real-time shadows on the dials this isn't a like pre-supposed picture it is being animated in real time using ray tracing 2d ray tracing yes it's not uh zelda breath of the Wilder Horizon Zero Dawn on your Apple Watch, but it is still interesting that this technology is running um on the uh Apple Watch SOC, which kind of <laughs> I guess proves that the chipset is overkill. But hey, if we get cool watch faces, I'm here for it. Yeah,
0: man, I did not know it was like that real-time animation. Well then that is extremely cool. I'm looking at it right now love it oh yeah uh,
1: i hope we see more fun crazy stuff in the future like it would just be really interesting maybe if we get one uh, one of those mickey mouse or yeah. toy story faces with like ray traced shadows and live an- live animation type stuff like you could interact with it by literally like yeah. poking it or something i don't know ray tracing gotta love
0: it This episode is brought to you by Trade Coffee. Listen, 90% of those grocery store aisle coffee beans are probably stale and let's be honest, just not very good. If you're a coffee drinker like myself, your coffee game needs an upgrade. Rather than rebuying some of the same old, same old, let Trade Coffee send you some fresh roasted beans and you're literally guaranteed to love it. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you'd like whole beans, or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd or just want a better daily cup, Trades Real Coffee Experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. When you go to their website, you take the coffee quiz to get started and Trade Coffee Guarantees you'll love the first bag or they'll replace it for free. Their subscription service has no hassle. You can skip shipments, Change your frequency or cancel anytime. I love the experience. I went to the Trade Coffee website, which is drinktrade.com/appleinsider. Took the quiz, and because I'm a cold brew guy, I use my UK cold brew nitro maker. They actually ask those questions: if you're brewing a cold brew, and what do you prefer? It was great. They asked the right questions, just enough to know exactly the beans I would like. And one of my favorites was they sent me the Greater Goods Pick Me Up beans. I used those in my nitro cold brew maker, and it was exquisite i loved it i mean i basically just make coffee into podcasts that's kind of what my body does and it was just an awesome experience and it tastes great and for our listeners right now trade coffee is offering a total of twenty dollars off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com apple insider so to get started take their quiz at drinktrade.com apple insider and start your journey to your perfect cup of coffee that's drinktrade.com apple insider for twenty dollars off your first three bags. The link will also be in the episode description. You can just click it there. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for sponsoring this episode. All right, well, let's hit Universal Control West. So we both have the betas installed. I caved. I installed it on my Mac and my iPad Pro, 12.9 inch. I'm surprised at how reliable these betas are. Now, again, this isn't like a whole... OS beta, you know, it's a point four beta,
1: yeah, betas have been really stable lately. It's a uh, kind of crazy actually. I'm assuming that I guess Apple's just gotten really good at focusing on making sure nothing substantial breaks because I guess it's aware of how many people actually install these things across developers and public people, especially since if you've noticed developer and public betas are usually maybe a day apart now, which is crazy,
0: yeah, I was curious. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, the public beta, you don't have to have a developer account, which is $99 a year, mm-hmm. so I get the benefit. But it's interesting, yeah, it used to be several weeks or maybe even a week apart, and now it's next day. And so that's that's prompted me to do it, because I was like, meh, public beta, I'll do it. I,
1: I have the developer account just because of uh, the time difference, because in June, right. um, there is a usual month-ish uh, time period there. I want developer betas the instant they're available. Um, so those are a little bit more rickety, but yeah, you're right. The, the later we get into the life cycle of an os the more stable they are but i hadn't been on betas for a while but as soon as i i, I knew once universal control hit i was going to install it because it it was a <laughs> must i i really wanted it on all of my devices and it is really fancy i wish there was a way i could film this without it being weird because again i'm at an l-shaped desk so where would i put the camera but um right. it's just it's really cool uh being it, just using i have a keychron keyboard and uh apple magic trackpad and this little keyboard tray on my desk and uh, Uh, it's run through a um, Thunderbolt dock that's connected to my MacBook over a single cable. And then I have an external monitor here. You you can see this in our little desk setup story. I have a couple stories about my desk setup where I've moved to Mac and whatnot, if you want to see it in a photo. So that's kind of that setup. But thinking that, even though that's kind of complex, it's going through Thunderbolt, there's an external monitor and all of that an iPad mini below the monitor and an iPad pro to the left of my MacBook. All of these things are aware of their positions and I can just move the cursor down below the monitor onto the iPad mini or up over to the iPad pro as if they're all the same computer, but they're all running different operating systems and they're all not physically connected by a wire. And it's, it's insane. There's no lag. And it, uh, I I was mentioning on Twitter, like I'll have music running on the home pods, and then use AirPlay 2 to view the music playing, the now playing on my iPad mini screen. And then I can use the max cursor, go to the iPad mini using universal control, click into the music app, just clicking it, making it the active window, and then use the volume knob on the Keychron keyboard to change the volume of the home HomePods. Like that's... Right. Like Apple <laughs> ecosystem n- nonsense. I love it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's fluid and just works super well. Again, I was using it for my MacBook Pro to my iPad Pro. And, you know, you just move the mouse over to the edge of the screen and it's over on the iPad. you can controlling that. You move it back. To set it up, you know, when I first installed the betas, I just tried to do it immediately. But I did have to go into the system preferences first, go to displays and actually enable it, you know, connect to a secondary display, which activate sidecar or you could do universal control. And I will say also universal control works really well even with my MacBook Pro in clamshell mode or with the screen open. So I did a test yesterday where I would move, I'm using my magic mouse and magic keyboard that I usually use with my Mac in clamshell mode, put my iPad off to the side and I can move back and forth using the mouse, using the same magic keyboard you know, iPad, Mac, and it knew where everything was. And you can also rearrange the displays in system preferences if it doesn't get it right at first. But then when I opened my MacBook Pro, it was able to switch to that and universal control still worked flawlessly across the three displays, my iPad Pro, my LG Ultra Fine, and the MacBook Pro built-in display. And it knew, and when I could close the laptop, worked just fine again. So it just works really well. The betas are really stable and, You know, I haven't found use cases at the moment that I want to do it for regularly. Maybe it's because I don't have a lot of desk space to just have an iPad kind of out the whole time. But I'm curious to see what use cases, I think like what you just said, adjusting Playback volume and AirPlay stuff—that's pretty slick, you know. Especially if you have an iPad just kind of sitting there the whole time. But so you were saying, so the iPad Mini—it actually, if a display is underneath, it doesn't have to just be to the side.
1: Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, in display options, you've always had the ability to position displays up, down, left, right. Um, that's true. When this initially set up, I think it it put the iPad Mini to the to the right of my MacBook, but I just moved it below the monitor, um, so I had to manually do that. It wasn't. Right. It's not that smart. Right. It just has proximity. It's using Bluetooth. Uh, where basically it's it's like sonar it's like I know this device is five feet from me so therefore it's right. on the right side you know it's trying to kind of guess based on user behavior and whatnot but um the the fact that users can go in and adjust this it just makes it all the better because and and once you do it it's it's remembered forever there's actually an option if you go into advanced settings and system preferences for display options um I know I just said seven layers deep there if you caught that but um <laughs> if you go in there there is a toggle that's off by default uh, but you can save the state of your universal control basically and so every i every day i leave the office i grab my ipad mini off of its little thing and uh take it with me because it's kind of my personal computer uh, that i keep with me all the time and when i come back to work i put the ipad mini there and it's as if it never left it just universal control is just back on and it's it's where it needs to be in the system preferences and everything i don't have to do anything yeah um so that's pretty cool i know fernando silva uh the guy who makes you uh I- ipad videos on youtube yeah. he he asked the question uh just in general of you know has anyone tried this with intel yet and um i have an intel mac mini from 2019 whatever that refresh was just before mm-hmm. the m1 um i have that model so i went and uh, dusted it off and yeah same exact thing if you have intel uh, Macs, there's there's a certain range um mike uh worthily po- pointed it out for us let me he says it works on anything 2016 and up macbook pro 2018 and up macbook air 2018 and up mac mini 2017 and up imac running intel nice so as long as you have something relatively recent you can do this and i uh put my ipad mini in the living room next to the mac mini and no setup required again i I did see the bubbly thing on the side of the screen this time i guess it's just because it's on a new Mac, automatically put it on the correct side of my monitor because it's a headless Mac, right? Mm. Even so, the operating systems kind of figured out, placed the iPad mini um, automatically, and it just worked. And it was just as fluid and just as seamless. There was no lag or anything. So I don't think this is M1 magic enabling this specifically, but I think Apple working on continuity features just made it work all the better. So,
0: yeah. Now, Matthew Poplin on Twitter, he was asking what happens if you try to use the Apple Pencil on an iPad that is in the universal control mode. And so I tried this yesterday, too, and it works just as you would expect. So I had my MacBook Pro. I was using the trackpad and keyboard on that. Moved the cursor over to the iPad, was messing with the iPad. So I had a note open in Apple Notes, and I was typing with my MacBook keyboard, but it was on the iPad in Notes. So I was typing, and I grabbed the Apple Pencil and did a little drawing in the note. And once I did that, put the Apple Pencil back and started typing again with the MacBook Pro keyboard and mouse, and it worked just fine. So you can go back and forth using the Apple Pencil on the iPad with the keyboard and mouse from somewhere else, whether it was a MacBook Pro or standalone Magic Mouse, Magic Keyboard, and it works great. So you can definitely alternate, use the Apple Pencil while you're doing it, whether it's highlighting or drawing, and works fine.
1: If you have a magic keyboard and trackpad attached to your iPad, you can move the cursor back to the Mac and control your Mac from the iPad. Yeah. It's as the name says, it's universal. It works both ways. Now, the Mac is the controlling object. You can't just start from an iPad, move to another iPad, which would be kind of cool. If you were an iPad-only setup like I used to have, that would have been amazing. But Apple, it does make the Mac the controlling thing. You can have multiple iPads and, a, and a, another Mac, I believe. I think it's up to three devices total. Right. Um, and it's within 30 two feet whatever the bluetooth limitation is because i think that's the primary you know talking software being used so it's up to 30 feet which is kind of odd so that means like you know you can be sitting on a couch 30 feet away from uh, a Mac. And if, you know, if one of your kids is using your user account for some weird reason, uh, <laughs> to just move the cursor over to your iPad, I guess. I, I don't know if that, if it's g- <laughs> that silly.
0: And then gauge Milton on Twitter actually asked, would you rather use universal control or sidecar between a Mac and iPad? And I thought this was an interesting question. And I think the answer is it really depends on the use case. So sidecar again is where you can put the iPad in like a second display for your Mac mode. And I've used Sidecar when I've had to record a podcast and I haven't been in the office or at my house, I'll use an iPad in Sidecar mode to manage all the windows that I use during a recording. So I might put Safari or the Apple Notes on the iPad or the recording software just so I have more screen real estate for my Mac specifically. And so I think those kinds of use cases, Sidecar is great. Universal Control, I think, again, is just a different use case I think like Wes, as you use it at your desk full time, you know, for your desk setup, you probably have a Mac or some kind of computer setup that you use for work, and I think Universal Control would be useful in that case.
1: I could give you a, a specific example. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I just wanted to point out uh, Sidecar is a like application that runs on the iPad and Mac. It's like a a, a thing, so you can actually use some fancy scripts and whatnot. I, it's been like two years since I've done this, but there is a way to have a one click shortcut to enable sidecar and throw an app straight to the iPad. Um, and then you can exit it the same way. Uh, Mm. so if you are in universal control in the system preferences, you can actually change an iPad into sidecar window at any time or using, you know, you know, you have the, uh, what are the what is that called the traffic light buttons and you hit the green one um, if you press and hold right you can always move it to whatever iPad or whatever move a window to that so that always works even with Universal Control it enabled and as soon as you exit Sidecar on the iPad it becomes Universal Control again so they're all working together in my specific use case um, I could think of if I'm working in you know Pixelmator uh, Pro on the Mac I could make my iPad Pro into that window so put Pixelmator Pro mac application onto the ipad screen using the apple pencil to edit photos trace lines blah 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 hmm. so that's a sidecar object and then the mac mini is still in universal controllable in my monitor so it's like i can be running both at the same time so yeah they're not exclusive yeah, yeah. of each other it's very uh, cool right all the little stuff i've been toying around with here
0: yeah very cool so if you want to run it listeners the public betas are available you don't have to be a developer to get it it's been pretty reliable from what i've seen Otherwise, the public release is probably not going to be coming for another couple months. But if you use iPads and Macs in conjunction all the time, it's pretty sweet. You should you should definitely try it. So this is not Apple-related, but, you know, Wordle kind of blew up on the scene. Wordle was a just a website that you could go to and play this word game where you try to guess a word every day. You got six guesses to do it. I was doing it. It was a lot of fun. And I just think it was so interesting that the New York Times... Bought Wordle from the developer for $1 million. Now, Wordle, the website, it was just one guy developing it. His last name was Wardle. Very good branding there. Josh Wardle was a software engineer who built it. And it seemed like just a few weeks after he launched it, the New York Times buys it for $1 million. So kudos to Josh for making a really addictive and fun game that was actually simple. And he got the payout, you know, $1 million for what he created. The New York Times says it will be free or remain free initially, which really sounds like they're going to put that behind a paywall at some point. But I thought it was just a story of, hey, if you're just a person developing a game or you put something on the web, if it's good enough and people really enjoy it, you might get paid a million dollars for that thing that you create. And that was the case with josh wardle and his wordle game so
1: i mean what is that like six lines of javascript it, it's really cool um just a, really cool a, really amazing just uh the zeitgeist i guess that can be around even such a simple property i mean this must be how the guy who invented the frisbee must feel he just you know That's threw true. a piece of plastic one day and said you know what i could sell this and made billions of dollars it, every toy invented in the 80s is just a guy playing with trash and realized he could sell it i'm telling you <laughs>
0: uh, like the slinky and yeah. the uh silly putty and i just
1: have a spring laying here whoa it, it moves on its own um look at it anyway uh yeah no this this is brilliant i i i, I do believe I, I don't subscribe to new york times it's not even in a uh, news plus which is funny to me it's they're right. they're very much one of those ancient um beings that still exist somehow kind of like cable uh that you have to pay like 30 dollars a month to get a, a piece of paper in the mail pure insanity to me but there i i I suppose they have this game section where you can get like the daily crossword and stuff like that so i I, i'm sure that Wordle will go behind their new york times games subscription whatever that i haven't even looked into it but that that does exist and uh i I believe this is where this is going and it will be promptly dead once that happens but don't worry this game again is probably like you know 10 lines of code so someone will make a suitable clone and put it on the app store and probably make another million dollars so we'll see
0: well it was funny because there were all those clones that did show up in the app store and google had the same thing in the google play store and they shut down those clones because they were well
1: it's because they well they were all calling themselves wordle i I mean it was just a clear like fake out whereas all of the obvious clones on the app store at least have fake names to go with it uh they're they're a little more clever about it so i, I expect yeah that we're gonna have some kind of guess word uh two or something on that store <laughs> and that right. it'll basically be wordle this this will happen i'm sure
0: wordly or i words ish Yeah, something Uh, like that.
1: Next on Apple Arcade. um, Yeah. Wouldn't that be hilarious if Apple Arcade, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) just a Wordle clone? Anyway. That
0: that would be hilarious. And that was a great segue because speaking of Apple Arcade, it was big news in the video game industry where Sony, makers of PlayStation, actually acquired Bungie, the game maker that makes Destiny and Halo really big gaming titles. Sony bought them for $3.6 billion. Still facing regulatory approval, so it's not finalized yet. But interesting that this comes right after Microsoft acquired Activision and Blizzard. And it's just, again, like a great consolidation, it seems like, of these video game companies. And so the next question is, would Apple get in on this and buy a video game outlet? And I think you tweeted about this, and we might have even talked about it before.
1: Yeah, the Square Enix joke was made on this podcast.
0: So It was, okay, yeah, yeah. And that's the company that... Maybe Apple should buy. I mean, if Apple really wants to make Apple Arcade a thing, you know, they have some good games in there. Fantasian is one of those Apple Arcade games, which is a Final Fantasy series type game. Man, I, th- I think Apple should do it and get some great first party games on there.
1: Square Enix isn't for sale. And and, and right. it's, it's one of those things where everyone's like, Apple should just go buy Disney. And it's just, guys, you do know companies have to opt to be for sale they just can't put a pile of money on the doorstep and own the company hearing people talk about the video game industry is uh, like because i write about tech but i have like before tech i was video games i lived in this industry i worshipped the ground it walked on from the time i could breathe until uh like 2014 so and it, like following greg miller it kind of funny through the ign and all of that like i was there for all of it you know i was i was born in the darkness so <laughs> been observing this and i'm still very interested in the game industry I'm, i am like like i was telling you earlier um i when i'm not at work talking about apple i'm on my playstation or on my nintendo switch playing video games so it's like two sides of the same coin for me anyway um so very much involved in this industry and it's just so funny hearing pundits especially tech pundits uh talk about video games who aren't interested in it cnbc guys who are thousand years old talking about you know bungie as if they know what what it is and the craziest thing is is they act like there's this big consolidation happening which it is but they're acting like there's only like five game studios there's hundreds of game studios out there and and out of those hundreds, many of them are huge studios making huge games. The uh, old uh, game industry level of success was, you know, you sell 10 million copies of a game, and you're you, you've hit that level of your game is now very like considered in the top realms of success uh i'm sure that number is higher now i'm talking about you know 2015-2012 time frame uh, people are acting like well, they're, they're running out what, what what's left for nintendo <laughs> to buy what's left for apple to buy it's like guys there's there's so much out there you, you like konami i'm surprised sony didn't buy konami first um mm. or or go and buy hideo kojima went and made his own studio after a, a fallout with konami apple should have bought them there's or not sorry sony should have bought them there's so many Obvious choices. And then the less obvious choice Sony went with was Bungie, which is a company who now makes Destiny, a very popular not Call of Duty first person shooter, which I think is exactly what they wanted. They wanted the not Call of Duty to compete with the Activision that Xbox just purchased. And now both companies, Sony right out the gate, don't worry guys, non exclusive. Bungie will continue making games for all platforms. No timetable on that. That could always change. I don't know that it will. Uh, money, changing hands, people go out here. doesn't matter what system it's running on. They will pay money for Destiny, and Sony's making money from it. So I think they're going to continue this, just like Xbox will continue selling Call of Duty, but now they have the trump card of, if you pull Call of Duty from PlayStation, we're pulling Destiny from Xbox, you know, tit for tat. Right, right. I think that's the whole reason why this purchase happened. So everyone can take a breath. The game industry isn't going to be two companies tomorrow, but there is a consolidation happening. And I I don't expect Nintendo to buy anyone because they don't need to. Their IP is so powerful that they will exist on Mario, Pokemon, Zelda for the rest of eternity. (laughs) Not to mention Kirby. Apple in this discussion is always the most interesting because they are a platform that sells games. They don't make games and they haven't uh, other than, I guess, the paper delivery, What what is his name? I don't even know. Oh, gosh. Come on. I, do I have to remind you of this joke every time? Warren Buffett's Paper Wizard. Apple's like only game on the App Store before uh, Texas Hold'em from 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, they did a, a silly game where you deliver newspapers and Cupertino and Apple Park was in it. Are you telling me you don't remember this?
0: That's a deep cut. I'd have no idea the words you're saying right now, but I will take your word for it. Oh, all <laughs> right. Uh, Apple
1: insider nerds message Stephen <laughs> images of Warren Buffett paper wizard on iPhone. It was like two years ago, Stephen, where were you?
0: Really? I don't even know what any of this is. Okay.
1: It, it, this is like pre Apple arcade and people just like planted the apps. People were joking. Like, are we going to get more Warren Buffett paper wizard for Apple arcade again? I Deep cut. Um, (laughs) Apple has plenty of opportunity here to become a distributor if they want to, but they don't, they don't make games and I don't see them buying studios. They could, uh, or they could at least well fund certain studios, but Apple Arcade has a lot of huge studios on it already. Like you said, Square Enix, we also have Konami.
0: Disney Melee is on there too. Disney uh, has
1: games, Star Wars, uh, Sayonara, Wild Hearts. That that company, right. Um, right? Like, there's a lot of big gaming companies already on Apple Arcade, and apple isn't begging them to come people know that this is a lot of money uh and apple arcade is paying out the dividends apparently because we keep seeing yeah. more um i just wrote uh five more four more games being added to apple arcade in february and so far apple's on a streak they've added a new game every week to apple arcade so far in 2022 wow and i think that's going to continue going forward so just okay. don't cap- don't count apple out on the space just because they haven't bought some right. studio or something
0: All right, well, I want to get to this last topic because it kind of happened right at the end of last week, and we didn't talk about it on last week's episode, but the whole Joe Rogan and Spotify podcasting fiasco. So the background is, you know, Spotify has been buying podcasts to have them exclusively in the Spotify app. Joe Rogan Experience, also the Dax Shepard Armchair Expert podcast, Call Her Daddy, and like a bunch of other shows have gone exclusively to Spotify. Millions of dollars. You know, Joe Rogan, I think he got... $100 million to go exclusive to Spotify. And because of some of the comments that Joe Rogan has made and some of the guests he has had recently, especially some of the misinformation about vaccine stuff, that other artists on the platform have started removing their content. And the first one, the biggest one so far, maybe, has been Neil Young. So Neil Young said, you know, unless Spotify were to clamp down on this kind of misinformation and Joe Rogan specifically he's going to remove his content and he did so Neil Young removed his music from the Spotify app and I just want to say Apple Music right there like capitalizing on this they tweeted out Apple Music the home of Neil Young listen to his entire catalog on Apple Music and so Neil Young was the first and then there's been other artists since that have removed their content from spotify as
1: soon as yesterday there's even more because yeah. the other d- the day after neil young removed his music joni mitchell did so Johnny of mitchell, course you know joni mitchell and neil young their package but then yesterday david crosby steven stills and graham nash yep. have announced that they're removing their music and yes again we're talking about probably all boomer era music but this is kind of a you know domino effect that right. as people are making these statements of, Hey, we don't, we don't want this to to be going on on this platform. We're going to leave. And, right. and just, as you said, Apple tweeted that stuff out. If you go on the Apple music, uh, just dis- browse page right now. Oh yeah. Yep. Neil lives here. Joni lives here. Um, <laughs> yes. they're bright, huge banners at the top of the page. So just Apple's fully involved.
0: Yeah. Super spicy. I think, you know, great on Apple for capitalizing it, but I think this whole situation is telling of the success or lack of success of the whole exclusive podcast industry. You know, the first company to try and do this was Luminary. If listeners remember, Luminary launched, I think it was 2019. They were a big startup and Luminary tried to be not only a podcast app, but have exclusive content where you could pay $8 a month and you would have your, you know, everything would be a Luminary and plus Luminary had exclusive shows. The problem now is Spotify doing these exclusive podcasts, they're not charging, you know, so you don't have to pay Spotify to listen to Joe Rogan or Dak Shepard or whatever. The fact that they're exclusive to Spotify's app now puts Spotify in a position to also have to be a content moderator of sort. Most podcasts are built on RSS, which is an open internet standard. And it's just an RSS feed that links to audio files elsewhere. That's how podcasts have been for years. I mean, since 2005, when Steve Jobs announced podcasts on stage. And so this idea that podcasts are now an exclusive thing, Spotify is in this position of if they have a podcast creator, who they've now spent hundreds, millions of dollars to get them on their platform are now also kind of beholden to them. Now, Joe Rogan issued an apology. There was an Instagram video where he said, you know, he's sorry, kind of like a a half apology, I'm not really sure, but said that he would try to be more fact checky before he has guests on the show or whatever. But I think it's telling that this whole exclusive thing and then other podcast creators like Brene Brown, who is a researcher, she has a TED Talk, really big. Like she said, because she signed an exclusive deal with Spotify, she can't really go anywhere else. And so Brene Brown has said, I'll just stop making podcasts for right now until we figure out what to do. And it's just in general, it seems to be hurting the podcast industry also telling. I looked today. If you go into the Spotify app in podcasts, you actually can't add a podcast by RSS feed. And that's something that still the Apple Podcast app still lets you do. You know, you can add a podcast to your library even if it's not in the directory by doing just the raw RSS feed and subscribing that way. And Spotify doesn't allow you to do it. And so in general, I just have a negative view on this idea of exclusive podcasts. And the Spotify has kind of painted itself in a corner by basically paying millions of dollars for some of these podcast creators
1: well i I want to be clear about a couple things so first of all joe rogan he is a controversial character i we're not even going to get into right or wrong or what he's saying um it's just because again half of it isn't even really what he's saying he's just his whole platform is i will interview anyone and hear what they have to say and The issue being that a lot of the times, especially during discussions that he's having, he doesn't dispute or disqualify statements that are sometimes just known counterpoints or conspiracies surrounding things like coronavirus are blown well out of proportions and his listeners being who they are generally speaking, will believe it. So if, if, if he's on there saying that, you know, I've heard that ivermectin works to, you know, defeat COVID, people are going to believe that or at least take it into some account and go research it or or maybe think this is what I need to do instead of a vaccine. And that can be dangerous. And it's just one of those things where so many people listen to it and they may not treat him as a doctor or a scientist or anything, but they're getting the information and it is being put into their minds as something that they can cling to whether or not it be true as something that they can go off of and it's it can be dangerous and the fact that he approaches all of his interviews as i'll talk to anyone to hear what they have to say he doesn't ever take the time to say this is wrong or this is incorrect or these are the facts Otherwise, it always just looks like he's siding with this controversial character on his show. And what's worse, and this is where the issue with Spotify comes in, but he's just controversial enough that Spotify has to own it. They are giving him money to exclusively put his content on their platform. Therefore, can Spotify really say that they are just a platform if they're paying for the information to get put out on their services? And that's that's where all of this comes in. And that's why artists are starting to pack up and leave because they're saying, you know, I don't want to be a part of a place that puts out what we believe is incorrect or, you know, conspiratorial or dangerous information, especially about the coronavirus. So it's just it's interesting to watch because this is a big industry hit. And the CEO has been in a few interviews just standing by saying, you know what, Uh, Joe Rogan is an individual entity. And um, we we believe that his podcast is A part like fine. It's it's just it's his words. It's his things. And like you said, he put out an apology. But is that enough?
0: Yeah, and I think that take where he's his own deal changed when Spotify bought him. And you could argue, well, who's hosting it? Well, Spotify also because Megaphone and Anchor are also a part of Spotify. But it's different when podcasts are just open on the internet via RSS feed and audio files because no one argued that overcast or pocket cast shouldn't have the joe rogan show While those apps could make those decisions they are just aggregators for whatever rss feed you put into it just like safari on the mac you can go to any website no matter how controversial and safari its only job is to render the the html and css and show you the website safari does not control content or filter content for you And when podcasts are open, like an RSS feed and audio links, there's less expectation on podcast apps or platforms to filter anything because it's not them hosting it. But it changes when someone like Spotify literally buys exclusivity to a show and hosts it. And the advertising dollars supposedly that they sell on the Joe Rogan show is just incredible amounts. And also, they actually told The Verge in a statement or The Verge got from a source that if a company wants to buy ads on the Joe Rogan show, they're actually required to buy ads across all of Spotify's exclusive shows. And so it is a huge moneymaker for Spotify, which again, will, you know, like color their attitude towards this podcaster in particular, because it is such a money source
1: we've seen several uh examples in in very recent times i mean you saw did you see what happened with peter dinklage talking to disney about right. snow white and the seven dwarves and yes and we saw uh over on netflix the community the trans community reaching out over dave Chappelle and what and some of his right. jokes and some of what he said so people are you know this is no longer a quiet background argument on some News forum or whatever, like people are yeah. reaching out and telling these companies no more. And you, your content distributor, Netflix, Disney, Apple, Spotify, are putting this content in front of audiences. Therefore, it is your responsibility to handle these controversies. And if you can't handle the controversy, don't have the content. And that's what people are saying to these companies. And the question is: Is right. is Spotify? you know this isn't going away and at some point spotify either has to choose are we going to stand by joe rogan or are we going to tell him what to say and that gets dangerous also very quickly so
0: yeah and all that to say i just wanted to voice my opinion of exclusive podcasts i don't think it is good for the podcast industry as a whole you know luminary largely failed at their attempt and because of these events with joe rogan Maybe Spotify will rethink its strategy. But again, if they are making still a ton of money, maybe not. So my hope is that independent podcasting and just that podcast in general retains its core of RSS feeds with audio links that are just open. And not this exclusive play from the likes of Spotify. That's just what I hope would be the long term.
1: I I don't. I don't think Spotify is a real threat to the industry. Sure, things might more, more and more popular podcasts might go behind certain kind of paywalls or or uh, stuff like that. But I think, um, especially in our industry where tech pundits and stuff like that, like. Stuff like this is never going to get bought up by Spotify to get featured at the top of their playlist. I feel like independent podcasting will always exist in some way, just kind of like almost like pirate radio in a way. But um, (laughs) yeah, I didn't didn't mean to go off on a big, long tangent. This isn't the podcast uh, evaluation show, but it's just it's it's interesting observing these trends because they do affect Apple. And what's next, uh, especially for what they decide on, Uh, like they have this Siegfried and Roy podcast series coming out called uh, Wild Things. And it's just like, what if something crazy was said in there that was just crazy offensive or off base? Uh, Obviously not, probably not in that story, but um, Apple's buying these podcasts and and putting them under the Apple umbrella. And if they go out here and buy something that's super offensive, what happens? Um, The, what is it? The Line uh, podcast came under fire by the wife of... uh, what gallagher is that right uh the man who is under trial for war crimes right the wife of that man came after apple and said you uh interviewed us or your podcast team interviewed us and took quotes out of context to fit your your story and apple had to defend that yeah it's it's just one of those things where you can't just go out here and put out information under an umbrella and say that oh no sorry they're they're doing their own thing we just paid for it
0: right exactly Well, listeners, let us know what you think about all of this or anything we talked about on today's episode. You can tweet at Wes and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. We'd also appreciate five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts if you could do that. You can actually support the show with $5 a month either at patreon.com slash appleinsider or directly in Apple Podcasts, and you can get an ad-free early access to the show plus access to our Discord channel as well. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll catch you next time.